I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Aloha, spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Denna Geek Network. As always, I'm your host, journalist, author, researcher of weird things, Aaron Sagers. You can also catch me on 28 Days Haunted on Netflix and Paranormal Caught on Camera, now airing its sixth season on Travel Channel, Max, and the Discovery Plus streaming services. And today we're going to the mall, although it is the Dead Mall, of course, the horror comic Dead Mall. And let me tell you a little bit about it if you haven't caught up with this comic yet. So the Pin Mills Galleria is about to be demolished. Yet five teens have snuck into the mall to take a last look before it is gone. However, while Penn Mills has been closed for years, the mall is far from abandoned. A night of exploration becomes a shopping spree from hell, and the teens must contend with the sprawling, transformative, cosmic horror of Penn Mills or be trapped forever within the dead mall. And this Dark Horse Comics trade paperback is available now, and I am joined by the creative team of Adam Caesar and artist David Stoll. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having us. That was a hell of an introduction. God, smooth on your own, smooth on your own stuff, too, and then, like, right into the the, the pitch. That's, ooh. Thank you. Can you, can you come to conventions with us? And then, yeah, and honestly. Yeah, yeah. Really we, the book. Yeah. I'm like, I'm always like, it's about a mall that eats people. It's like, it's like how I try to get people passing by. That's so much better. <laughs> well, we, I think we will all be at New York Comic Con. So who knows? Maybe we'll get a chance oh, to. Oh, man, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I want to first kick things off by just learning a little bit about your guys' uh, collaborative uh, relationship. How did you meet and how did you set off on the Dead Mall adventure together um adam you want to kick off with that yeah i think i mean i think david can probably speak to it a little better because the person that put us in touch is a, is a, is a david person um but we had um we'd been put in touch by another artist and this is i've um i've done a lot of prose writing i write a lot of um novels and novellas um and i've done a little bit of comics writing and it's all been it's all been ip it's all been stuff that other people own um it's been stuff like dark crystal and power rangers and um did an adventure time comic uh but I, I i love the medium and i wanted to do my own comic and it was like i didn't 100 know how to do it or have that many contacts um so dark horse our editors at dark horse kind of made up a list and um on that list was uh your i, I don't know how to say phil's name is philip cv yep. uh, philip cv um basically was like my i'm slammed he's he does uh, x-men now he's doing the marvel unlimited x-men run on that um, I think he did. He's doing the Venomverse now on Marvel Unlimited. But he he had, he had, he was like, you gotta see uh, David Soul's portfolio. And like this, it was like it was one of those things where it was like within 20 minutes, I was like asking her, the editor, like, yes, let's 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 get in touch with Dave. Let's let's see what his calendar's like. So uh, it's one of those. I mean, we've grown a collaborative uh, relationship. I think a really great collaborative relationship. But it, it started just in like a a kind of referral of like look at look at his portfolio. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those stories that really worked out um, networking wise, which doesn't always happen uh, in the comics industry. But um, but yeah, Phil uh, is a really good friend of mine. We went to school together and he's he's working on this Marvel Infinite stuff. And so he uh, uh, he was like, hey, I have a I have a, a book offer from Dark Horse. It's a horror book with with Adam Caesar. Um, and uh at, at the time, I wasn't like fully familiar with Adam's stuff yet, but 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 Phil was like, you know, he did these, he did this awesome book, Clown in a Cornfield, like go check it out, um, and I did, and like right as I finished the book, they got in touch with me, um, and so I was immediately able to be like, yep, absolutely, please, yes, <laughs> which is I great. like it on both of our ends. We were like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it worked out. It was it was one of those like serendipitous kind of timing moments uh, because I because I I. I uh, slammed through that book. Clown in a Cornfield is so good. If you haven't read it, go check it out, please, because it is uh, A plus. And uh, I, I read it in a couple of days, and uh, and and literally, uh, that's when I got the email from Dark Horse, um, and was just like, I am so excited about this. How do I how do I accept this without seeming way too desperate about it? But um, <laughs> but it, it, uh, 
it, it, it just, it just kind of worked out like that. And then, and then from there, yeah, like Adam said, our, our, um, our collaborative uh, relationship has kind of uh, blossomed and grown into this terrifying nightmare thing, which is wonderful to behold. Yeah. Yeah. With that, with the art. So as Adam said, a lot of his writing has been books and novellas and then the comic stuff has been existing IP. So there's already this established world of, you know, dark crystal and power Rangers and whatnot. So David, when you were having those initial conversations about the overall aesthetic of dead mall, what were some of the, the things that you were bouncing uh, off of one another and how this horror book and horror world and cosmic horror world would look you know uh i think i think right from the get-go we tried to walk kind of this tight line but tight line act between um uh we 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 didn't want our monsters to be zombies uh we didn't want them to be centibites we didn't want to just be like here's another you know property that you're completely familiar with um our horror was was kind of nestled in uh uh the personal stories of kind of the characters that were transformed in the book right so right off the bat um our uh art direction and our 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 visual process for like the monsters and the mall and things like that were were, were very heavily centered and focused on uh uh what those things had been through kind of in the past right um for the mall uh, itself um i i wanted to uh, I wanted to, to to build up a mall that looked like uh, our childhood malls. We had a we had a, a phone conversation about you know how both of us grew up with malls and things like that. I really wanted to bring that nostalgia in, um, and so uh, so I my my partner and I went and, uh, and and researched malls by literally you know going to malls and and, and walking through pacing out uh, measurements of um, uh, of uh, architecture you know in 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 shopping malls and things like that and then I came home and I, I built the Penn Mills gallery I have a 3d model of that mall um, and so I, I had I had that to work from I based the floor plan around a, a pentagram because I just wanted to be spooky about it and uh, and then and then from there from having a mall to kind of work with um, each monster that that we kind of brought up in the script um, Adam and I would go back and forth with like you know th this is this is the this is the torment that this monster is going through uh, for a very specific reason. Uh, and it has to be reflected in the design, the design. of the monster. Yeah. So, okay. so we, we didn't want to just kind of like hinge on, on, on normal, uh, you know, we, we were, we're both huge fans of normal horror stereotypes, right? Zombies and Cenobites, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, uh, and so there are a lot of those elements pulled into the design of the monsters, but the monsters designs themselves were very personal to each, each monster. So it was, it was kind of like a, a case by case basis as we went. Um, and uh, as far as like the overall design sense, the overall art sense of, of the whole thing, um, I, I just kind of tried to lean into having it be as, as derelict as possible until it was as spooky as possible. That was, yeah, that was I, it was really cool in the trade paperback the that you do the the schematics and the 3d design the layout of the mall is included so it was such a nice touch because it you know even though i don't think you have to apply logic to to every fiction piece it is cool when it works out in that way it's it's like yeah. almost uh you know you have the map to middle middle earth listed there <laughs> Yeah. It was actually it was actually really funny because there there are a, a bunch of moments in the comic where the the layout of the mall doesn't necessarily make sense and that's because the mall is constantly changing around our and character. it's moving pieces it's moving yeah, it's, people it's, from it's, different yeah, places like we should we yeah I guess we haven't really established that the mall is like telling the story like the mall is the in the in the book like the mall is the narrator and it's in the, and the mall is like very much a character so like the mall is is the force that they're fighting against and it's moving these kids around and showing them these different monsters it's created um and the fact that david i, I don't want to cut you off david, but like that, I, I just want to give some context to that that 3d model where david and i had kind of started um had kind of started our, our relationship very like you know gingerly and you don't know what how, you know you don't want to overstep another professional's like um area of expertise or their like comfort level with in with commitment where i was like i was like putting i was putting together all this pre-writing material for myself, like uh, old pictures of malls. And you, you, there's a time travel element to the story. So you see malls, you see the mall as it was in the sixties, as it was in the seventies, as it was in the eighties, as it was in the two thousands. And I was just doing a ton of 
image searching and, and, and finding all this different stuff and making like slideshows and stuff. And then I, I, I started to hand that to David and I was like, how insane am I going to come off if I show the artist who's, you know, he's in charge of the, of, of, of the, of the visual side of things, you know, the hundreds of images that I've, that I've archived of, of malls. And then at the same time, it was kind of like a, um, it was kind of a, uh, uh, an ironic thing of like, of like, I handed him that and then he handed me, <laughs> he had already gone in and built a 3d model of the yeah. mall. And I'm like, Oh, we are both as all in as you can get <laughs> on this concept. Like, it was like, here's my bunch of archival photos. And it's like, here's the 3d model of the mall I built by getting on, you know, the NSA's list by walking around this mall and pacing it out. And they think I'm casing the, the, the jewelry store. Yeah. Like, so, so it was, <laughs> we were both fully committed to the bit is, 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 is what I just, I just in, in such admiration of, of David's artistic ability. No, absolutely. I like, I, I love that. I love the idea of Adam coming with a big folder of things and just being like, is this too much? And then I turn around with a 3d model. <laughs> um, and Adam, where is the pin Hills Galleria mall? Because obviously, you know, the, the most famous mall horror story is Dawn of the Dead and that's Monroeville yes. Mall and then yes. maybe the second most famous is Chopping Mall and I forget where that's that's set but that's the gallery that's uh that's in that's in LA that's LA. Right LA and then which is in it shows up in a million movies yeah especially a million horror movies like it's there's a long I think it's the, called the gallery I'm not I'm, I'm east coast so yeah but it, it's I know it's all the same mall there's there's in mausoleum there's a huge extended sequence where they're in a mall so like all that all horror films of that era if you were in LA, you were like, oh, just go shoot at the same mall. Like, um, so is this a, uh, I know you're based in Philly. So is this a, a Philly mall? Is this a Pittsburgh mall? It's an, mall? Am, it's an amalgam of, it's, it's a Philly area, Philly suburbs mall. Um, I love the, I love the malls around here. My, uh, my, my wife, uh, my sainted wife, as we, I'm not from the area originally. Uh, I'm from Long Island. So there's a little bit of Long Island in it too. Um, and it's, it's, it's this amalgam of different places. It like technically canonically is located outside of Philly. But every time we every time we pull into a mall parking lot, uh, I'm like sitting in the car and I'm like looking up the Wikipedia for the mall. I'm like, I want to know what the anchor stores were. Oh, there was a straw bridges here actually up until '85. Like, so like I'm weirdly obsessive with mall stuff. So like, so this the fact that I was that way for so long, and then we were like, you know what? Let's do the ultimate mall horror comic. Um, and we're very much playing in that sandbox of mall heart of chopping mall of of dawn of the dead and it just to me it didn't seem like there were enough mall horror things uh, because i love them so much and i've i've gone to monroeville i've done this i've done that you know that pilgrimage um yeah it, so it's it's a lot of different places but it definitely is an east coast mall is the is it was the general you know aesthetic that we were going for well as you're approaching this from your perspective what are the elements of a good mall horror even though again just even though you this is not the thing that we've seen before as the staples of the genre what makes for yeah. a good mall horror i i to, to me and and i love that it you know i'm talking about like the cinematic genre of mall horror i think is is the safest way to talk about this and when i when i watch um films and especially horror films i just love I don't tend to watch a ton of newer stuff. I try to keep up as best I can. I, t I tend to watch um, things from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I, I like seeing, I like the kind of time capsule element to genre filmmaking. And especially these movies were usually regional films. Like, you know, uh, Romero and his Pittsburgh crew were, were filming around Pittsburgh in, in those time periods. And you get to see, with Hollywood movies, you're seeing backlots, you're seeing sets, or you're seeing, um, or you're seeing the same places in Hollywood um, with regional filmmaking. You're seeing snapshots of different parts of America as they were. And I, I love that about this kind of genre and just generally um, film. Uh, so I, that's, that's if a good mall horror movie is showing me a lot of the mall, like something like uh, uh fan of the fan of the mall eric's revenge like maybe not the world's greatest film but you do get you do get to see um little you you do get to see a sam goody in it you know like you know mm. the things like that like like I, I i it's a weird it's a weird thing to 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 prize that in a um in a piece of fiction but i do really enjoy that and i think we we wanted to give that 
feeling to this with that time travel element of you know there's not it's not photorealistic it's not it's 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 impressionistic it's nostalgic in a way that david's rendering it through his through his pen but we wanted to make you feel like you're there a little bit and and have form and function because it's part of the part of the story is the idea of like your time is moving on and you're you might get stuck in a certain area so i think that i as much as i love nostalgia and as much as these are all movies behind me i love uh you know i love watching movies and i love getting getting kind of stuck in those time periods um there's there is like that that sense of atrophy to it there's that sense of like don't don't stare too long into nostalgia because you're going to miss what's going on now and i think that's part of the story too it i was thinking about this as i was reading the books or reading the trade paperback and we have malls show up in like stranger things where it's a nice shiny new mall and then more recently last of us where it's you know we're getting this post-apocalyptic or you know 20 30 years 20 years in the future um mall and shambles but this kind of mall is i think it's fascinating to me because it's like a modern haunted house it's an artifact of of 20th century and part of your early part of 21st century but instead of the creepy um you know victorian house in the neighborhood or it's now this is the modern artifact the modern haunted house and that i think is such an interesting approach and it's really not something that we've seen a lot of before i kind of just want to get your reaction both of your reactions to that um and and david specifically when you speak to it just is there a extra bit of thrill of making the haunted house this this modern architecture and this uh temple of consumerism but uh adam why don't you start on that oh i mean i i think david nailed it and i think i think what you're saying is i i loved i i haven't ever put it that way and i think i don't think either of us have put it that way but i think there's there's so much intentionality there. There's a there's a splash page in the first issue where we see there the the kids are basically starting a fire and they're going to drink beer and you you turn the page and you see it up and you see up into the skylights and it's very I think I would say deliberately it looks like a cathedral. It looks like uh it looks it looks like uh almost you know Renaissance architecture. This idea of like this was a important place. This was a this was a gathering place. A, like the the you know, in the eighties, the new town square kind of thing. And now it's gone. Now we don't really have that. And this is, they're standing in the shell of it. Um, I, I want to get, I want to hear David's take on this. Cause I think that was beautifully put Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, no, I love, I love the, the, the wording temple to consumerism. <laughs> uh, just because I feel like um, what I really loved pushing and pulling out of this, out of this book um, was this kind of idea of hunger Um and you can equate that to consumerism and capitalism and everything like that. But, you know, malls in our era were this uh, bastion of um, you could get whatever you wanted in one location. Right. And that was largely why, you know, we went and hung out at malls was because there was everything there. It was uh, Adam talked about it as a town square. It was it was where you went to meet up with with everything. And it was it was where it was where we went to access, you know, everything that we could think about. And um, and and there's just this kind of. uh like gluttony is a really strong word for it um but but when my partner and i were going out to 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 measure out malls and uh make jewelry store attendants nervous um uh we 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 spend a lot of time in especially like mills malls which are shaped like rings specifically just to just to make you pass the same stores over and over again right it's all set up to draw your eye and to make you consume and to make you to make you buy things and participate in this mall culture and it it, it is it is very very hungry and combining that with uh, with this nostalgic sense of things are are now passing in time, right? Uh, especially, you know, the Penmills Galleria is uh, is is on its last legs. It's it's it doesn't even have legs anymore. It's decrepit and falling apart. And to have this bastion to hunger be uh, in a state where it is now desperately hungry is where the horror of our book comes from. And so, uh, you, you know, horror elements aside, just kind of tapping into that idea of, you know, we, 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 we come from this culture that is all about, um, consuming and buying and, 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 and having more and to be in that culture as 
it gets older and it gets, uh, you know, maybe more desperate and more, more kind of clingy a little bit, um, is such a really nice thread to pull through a, a horror book. And I think, I think that that's, that's primarily that hunger, that greed and that desperation is primarily, uh, what I really tried to pull, uh, into the, the, the genre with, with the mall horror. I feel like, like that's where the mall horror really, really sticks for me. Yeah. So it was also it's also nicely reflective of the sort of the labyrinth nature of malls, because, yes, as you said, it's it's also a little bit like a casino. It's it's intended to keep you there and and, and you can lose track of time. Uh, not a lot of natural sunlight coming in. But there is this this whole world of hallways and tunnels and nooks and crannies in this backstage world that is that exists outside of the the kind of the front the neon yeah they don't want you to see it's just like it has to it has to it all has to feed the beast and has to keep it living but it's all back you know back hallways and stuff like that um literally the guts yeah Yeah, the guts which which we you know as we get into issue three you see guts um so i i i love that and i and i i think there's also an element here that I was just in a I was just in a bookstore yesterday. I just did a bookstore event um, in support of another author, and the, the bookstore was like very happy to show me they had like a shelf talker and and they had Dead Mall out and um and they were like they had it in the teen section because I think uh, Dark Horse has it listed. However, they list the metadata of like teen graphic novel, um, and I think I think they do that um, partly because that's how I pitched it, which was funny. Uh, I, I was like because my my book my my books Clown of the Cornfield the both the Clown of the, all three of the clown of the cornfield books are are teen horror novels that almost like i'd say 60 70 percent of like the readership i know about are adults so it's one of those that they're crossover things but they are technically teen books they're about teens and i pitched this as a teen thing and then as soon as i started handing in script pages there were things happening in the book that didn't i guess to the editors seem very teen like or didn't they didn't think they thought it was either too violent or um or, or too too sweary or too sexual and they were like oh i thought this was a teen book and i was like no it is so i think that stayed and i think it was so interesting to see it next to these other teen kind of candy color teen graphic novels on this bookshelf because to me i'm like oh what's well, it's dark horse it's a um it's a thing but it, at its heart it is a teen story and it is about teens and i think there's that hunger as consumerism, but there's, there's also, you were like searching for another word other than gluttony. There's the idea of, of like longing. And I think it's all these characters that we have are, it's the reason, a big reason a lot of us would go to malls. And it's like, if you were a mall rat and if you were hanging out for any extended period of time, your mom dropped you off or whoever, you're not supervised and you're seeing kids that you normally see in school or just like that idea of like, of longing to either either in a romantic way or in just a belonging and wanting a friend. And, and, and there's something to that being in that atmosphere, that kind of casino, like architecture as trap, but you also have your entire layer of teen motives too, which is a lot of who was in malls when malls were as, as big as they were. And let's talk about the monsters of this book, because we have this, as you said, we're seeing the guts of the, of the, the mall which is it's a very organic in nature and there's this overarching uh i guess uh it's not a hive mind but an overarching beast and yet there's also these worker bees that seem to support the queen and and these monsters each have their own different personalities and it's it seems like they are it's reflecting the lives or the deaths of what came before their monstrous selves so uh, walk us through uh, some of these creatures and the creature designs and and maybe even your your favorites and and this is softball for you uh david based on your shirt too (laughs) but yeah walk us through some of that yeah um yeah so so um so that's that's very well put um yeah, we we used them all a little bit as a um, uh, I want to say uh, sort of a, a purgatory element for our monsters, where um, their continued state reflects um, sort of a sort of a, a punishment for them that they that they wind up inflicting on themselves really it's because we were talking about this this longing and this hunger of the mall but also um 
all of the monsters, all the characters, all, all have this deep inner need for something, and that's what the mall feeds on, right? Um, and so the the fact that the 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 mall walkers uh, exist in the mall is largely due to them having fallen into the mall's traps and uh, and and thus kind of falling into their own sort of eternal uh, punishment. Um, I think that one of my favorite creature designs is right off at the beginning is the hairdresser. Um, who who shows up um oh, she's not the first one to show up but she 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 shows up um first and, issue yeah first <laughs> first issue. hero monster the first yeah, issue yeah first issue she's the highlight monster um and uh and she she shows up and and, and immediately just kind of launches herself at, at, our, at our heroes um and uh and I, I i remember she was she was maybe the longest one that i that I, I had to kind of think about like what what had she gone through um but her her whole design is just kind of around um uh her 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 whole her whole desire is just is just cutting uh she just she just needs to to tear things apart um and and uh because of that um i gave her i gave her four arms i i, I don't know if i gave adam like an, an okay uh oh i loved it <laughs> you didn't have four arms in the script it was great though yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 just 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 because i was like this she just wants to cut everything apart as much as she's possible got a pair of scissors in each arm yeah so, she's got yeah. a pair of scissors in each hand she's got four arms to cut with um her her skin is entirely just like scar material um uh and uh she she's she's wearing um i'm not sure if you can see it uh very well in the book but she's you know she, she's wearing a um a hairdresser's smock but it's got like you know tears through it and everything like that um and and just just most of what she is is just uh just cut apart and then she's got this huge mane of hair which kind of speaks to the idea of she wants to cut everything and she can't cut like cut her own the, hair yeah, yeah you can't cut this huge important part of her character and it makes her just to me it makes her this this like uh this this enigmatic kind of like like wonderfully um uh iconic uh monster character where she's got just this huge mane behind her and then four scissors and she's just coming at you like a cuisinart um and she was she was i think one of my favorite monster designs um and uh and, and and as we go through like that's the that's the kind of idea that we we met each monster with there's a <clears throat> there's a a monster that shows up uh, i think in the uh, third or fourth issue um uh, but 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 at the very beginning uh his his name is Coinop and he's uh he's he's now just an amalgamation an amalgamation of of uh, arcade machines just kind of grafted into a person and uh, Adam and I went back and forth with the shape language on him but he's got like a a, a television you know buried in his stomach and his, his his eyes are coin slots and he's got joysticks down his his spine and just just kind of like you know what what must that person have been like as a living person in order to have this as their as their torment is 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 what we really wanted to invoke um and then of course there's the the ball pit kids uh which i made into a t-shirt because uh they uh they show up and they're they're i think they're, they're a part of one of uh one of the most energetic scenes in the book because it's like a big fight scene it's really it's 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 uh it's really scary and um and and these are just you know kids that get lost at the mall and just never picked up and so the mall you know takes them and turns them into his into his little puppets which he does for everybody yeah and and pretty much what we've been suspecting you know kids are getting lost in ball pits Although, <laughs> exactly, i mean i yeah. personally <laughs> like my my very young ball pit memories was like before i was worried about people peeing in the ball pit there was like <laughs> just this very young kind of fear of like it being bottomless of it yes. like that it just going on forever and Absolutely. that's part of the excitement of it right you're like am i going to come out of this <laughs> yeah so adam this uh, compliments can be a or, or or comparisons can be a dangerous thing right um however i mean it as a compliment to say like we've got sort of shades of some clive barker hellraiser and then of course the shining and overlook uh the overlook hotel so I was thinking about that. I was curious, is there this deeper past to this mall beyond it being a mall? I mean, did, did it exist in some form before it was a mall? What, what is the backstory and, and what does it ultimately want beyond feeding and victims? What does it ultimately want? So the two part are there. <laughs> I, um, I have answers for both these questions, um, and they are spoilery uh, answers. In that, in that, I think the first arc tells, or the first trade paperback tells a complete story. You could just read it 
Um, I know that I know from from writing books and I've, I've had books that have more ambiguous world building. And I know you get slammed by readers who want to know exactly what something is, what a thing is. And at a lot of times, I'm, a lot of times my answer is it's just the mechanism for the story. I just like that. I, you know, this time I kind of went, it, we, we had talked about it a little bit. We went into it knowing that people are going to be pissed if you kind of don't have a logic and an internal, a, a, a reasoning for this. Um, I like your I like your question on the first one. Like if if the mall opened in 1964, I can't remember the exact year that the mall opens in. Uh, but uh, it's uh, what was it before then, and what yeah. was on that land? Very good question. Might have been something I've thought about. Um, I I do think we are gonna hopefully in success if everyone watching this goes and uh goes and buys the trade paperback in the first one we're going to do more and i and we are going to go a little bit back in time um so i do have i i the incredibly anticlimactic answer to say um i know and i can't tell you uh but it did rest assured i have thought that far and i do think there is that there is that idea of of cursed places and you're in the paranormal community you understand that idea of 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 things older than the civilization that builds up around them. And, and, and I think that is very much something uh, I'm interested in very much something that uh, David's interested in and very much something that we thought about, about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, and then there's the, also the, to me, and to me, the most interesting thing and, and the idea of what does it want as its goal? I, there is a somewhat of an answer at the end of this book. So we don't want to spoil that and, and what it wants with these uh, five teams specifically. Um, but to me, the most interesting thing about the mall's consciousness and this this monster that is the mall is that everything, if malls are dying, if malls are in this country not as much of a thing as they were, how does something that's this old, that's this powerful, how does it, how does it, how is the self-preservation work? How does reproduction work? How does it? move beyond its confines and we know that through certain things in the book that it goes deeper and has maybe roots a root system (laughs) um that's the way i think of it i think of it almost like a plant and almost that idea of well if plants and if funguses and if they have a reproductive life cycle what would the mall's reproductive lifestyle cycle be that is something i would directly like to do in a possible follow-up to Dead Mall, which we can't announce now, but we so more stories in this world if yes, you get the opportunity. Yes. yes, would love to would love to do that, but I do want to stress that standalone element of this is Beth's story and her friend's story, and this tells that complete story. Yeah. Um, but if we were going to deal with the mall again and deal with this um life force that is the mall, I would love to do other stuff. And I think David would like to do other stuff too. go buy the book please yeah (laughs) (laughs) well you you both said that you were each mall rats and i'm curious about the kind of mall rats that you may have been what was the mall hangout i mean were you the uh i don't know i forget the breakfast club uh all the labels but you know perhaps jocks i mean we were both jocks so yes yes (laughs) Where, where would we find you at the mall doing what uh david why don't you start uh, so I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, which means that summers were 110 uh, to 115, uh, 120 if it was real bad. And so that meant that we didn't like going outside. Uh, so the mall was literally the next thing to do, right? You know, you, you're not you're not going out uh, playing soccer or, 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 or football or whatever. Um, so instead I was, uh, let's see, we had a local comic shop. It was called Atomic Comics and I um war holes in that carpet um and then you know we had we had our uh our our our, our cycle right you when when you go to a mall constantly enough you have the 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 walk that you do all the time right so uh i think that we would start from barnes and noble and go on over to spencer's and then uh walk over to the to the um to the the the, the puppy store right where you could you could pet dogs uh and then uh back around to the food court and just kind of you know whatever cash we had on hand would get 
uh, you know, something that everybody could snack on, but it was definitely a, a, a friend hangout, just kind of like a, a after, after school or, you know, Saturday afternoon sort of thing where, well, what do you do? Well, we don't want to go out in the sun, so let's go inside, please. And then that's, uh, that's, that's where we went. How about you, Adam? Similar, um, similar, but I, I always find it, I find it fascinating about David's origin story that his, that his comic book store was in a mall because my comic book stores were all freestanding, like Main Street USA kind of things. And I, and I feel like um, that I never associate them with like comics with malls, but it's great for hell, hell, hell of an origin story for the comic artist. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was very much a media guy and very much a, like I, I it was the mall had, had, Within our mall, the South Shore Mall on Long Island, we had a, a software, et cetera, an electronics boutique. And then uh, as a satellite store to the mall on a separate um, thing, we had Circuit City and Funko Land. So the idea that like there was just you could get your fill of video games and there was an arcade in the mall. It was just such a video game paradise. And that's what I think of when I think of mall. So I'm kind of coin op in that way. Um, <laughs> and then like later, mid mid high school, later high school, when it was when it was more go out, hang out at the mall yourself and like friends got a driver's license and he can bring you. I remember there was a, um, there was a, um, one of the islands in the mall was a guy selling gray market um, DVDs and it, he would just have uh, a bunch of Hong Kong movies and a bunch of like extreme horror movies. So it was like, it was me going and talking to this, like me as like a, 16 year old talking to this guy in his 30s it's just like oh you, you ever see the guinea pig movies and he's like showing me like this like horrific stuff and i'm like buying it from like i'm just getting his, like whatever money i had went right into that um dvd duplication uh <laughs> um, uh, um scam uh but it was great I, I i got such a um it fed my cinephilia which was already well going before i before that stand showed up um so that's that's those are the kinds of things i think of at the mall like when i think of physical things yeah and i just like the that idea of friendships and the, the specific friends I would go to the mall with and stuff and the people we would see. Um, yeah. I was, yeah, I, I, I was more like uh, you, Adam, as far as my comic book experience, comic book shops were my earliest ones that I remember were, you know, flea markets. And then when it was fancier, it was the air conditioned booths at a flea market. And <laughs> then, and then maybe like, you know, the strip mall comic book shops, but not, but it was, but there was the the massive bookstores or the B Daltons or the the you know uh, before his Barnes and Noble, I mean Walden Books or whatever, like the yeah. big bookstores in there, and then maybe a, a movie theater, depending on the fanciness of the mall. But as I was saying earlier, you know the this this hidden world of the malls can get quite creepy the tunnels, the all the nooks and crannies, but also depending on the age that you're in a mall, there's different appeals and kind of different anxieties and threats that can come into play. You know, when you're very young, maybe it's the toy store, but also stranger danger and a little oh, bit. Yeah. So there's these different levels to it. So with that, I'm curious, do you have any scary real life mall stories that kind of came to mind while you were working on this title? Anything that was pretty freaky for you from your mall experiences? Oh man, mm. I don't I think. Said... No, go for it. I if if you need a second, I got. I, I it's funny because it's not. It's not. It's not a scary thing. It's not like a, it's not like a like a campfire story thing. But I remember. I remember. I remember seeing a vicious fight. At, a, at the mall food court I, I remember and it was and it was it was like older too it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a formative memory kind of thing but i remember around the time of like 16 17 um around the time of like being like senior in high school i think i, I remember just seeing uh like a just a like chairs thrown like people bloody on the floor like like security absolutely just standing back and then like finally cops like running in like level fight at the mall and i remember kind of it, it, I don't think it was a conscious thing on the book, but I do. I just do remember that idea of like, oh wow, some like this happened like, fifteen feet from the Annie Anns. Like this, this is like this is like the the veneer of civility can go out of the window so quickly if if things if things go sideways. Like I I remember like that being. I hadn't really thought about it until right. Uh, like I hadn't thought about it until right now in connection to this book at all. But I I kind of think about it occasionally. It was like I remember like 
just that awful fight. Like it was just like, so something like that, that idea that like you're a safe space that suddenly becomes not safe, like within an instant. Um, yeah. Well, and, and something that you do very explicitly kind of play into in the book is this, yeah, the containment element of it yeah. Uh, that, yeah. When the civility goes out the door, you're still stuck there and suddenly you realize maybe there's just not enough exits that I'm seeing, or maybe where do I go to yeah. get away from this fight or this, this threat? So, um, yeah, I, I think that that both expansiveness and then claustrophobia yeah. both kind of simultaneously existing is represented in the book. Uh, David, how about you? Was there anything that you thought of? I, there, there wasn't anything kind of um, uh, perspective altering uh, quite like that, but but more in, in terms of I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna out my I mean we we were all dumb as a, as as high schoolers, right? So I I the the mall because it was um, you know uh, more sheltered and air conditioned um, was kind of our stomping grounds, right? Um, and so that meant that that. Uh, us as teens, we just got really comfortable with, with the area. That was, a, that was our, that was our area. Um, and, you know, as a, as a, as a kid, I was an idiot. I saw a movie that, 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 you know, uh, built me up. And so, uh, so I was like, I'm going to steal a ring. I'm going to do it. And just <laughs> screwed it up completely and uh, immediately got hauled into, into those back rooms, right. Into that, oh. <laughs> that security place was was banned for the mall for from the mall for like six months, which was probably would now thinking back on it was probably the lightest thing that could have possibly happened. It was yeah. <laughs> a, a slap on the wrist and don't do that again, idiot. Um <laughs> don't steal rings from mall kiosks. Um but I, I remember that um kind of turning turning the the mall this 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 safe space with all the bright lights and the the posters and the bright colors kind of on its head right because yeah you get you get yanked back into those into those uh those those worker areas and all the walls are just stark white it's just bright fluorescence everything's you know slate gray you know you sit on that that blue plastic chair for an hour until your dad come, comes and gets you and uh it's it's just like it's it it showed me like the the stark scary real world behind the facade that was the mall right and I, and i'd like to say that like that made me aware of life as a kid and like i didn't ever do anything stupid again but i was an idiot kid but so <laughs> but that but that, that that moment was like a was a was a true shift of 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 being like oh like the things that i that i thought were kind of around are 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 the the mask on top of everything and there there are these workings behind it sort of thing you have to tell me then what this movie was that you saw that that amped up this kind of yeah, you want to uh, hear it? Is this adolescent? Is, yeah, it's not, good, it's not a good answer, man. It's uh, it was it was the Ben Affleck Daredevil. <laughs> you you came out of Daredevil and you're I like, did, I'm, and I was like, I'm a steel ring. Thieves that yeah, beats up. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not proud of it. I'm not. It's not. You chose to be bullseye, not not daredevil. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't know exactly why I was the way I was, but but uh, it was it was. Yeah. It. I also I also just appreciate. There's some level of irony here. I'm working it out, but I appreciate that a Ben Affleck daredevil movie turned you into a thief. As opposed to Ben Affleck from Mallrats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. That is a good point. I don't know what it was. I, the movie got my adrenaline going, and I was just like, "I'm gonna do this." I don't know. I, I felt invincible after watching that movie. I guess I don't. I have no answer that's gonna make this a cooler story. <laughs> just. I just feel like I don't want to harp on this too much, but you really took the wrong message out of yeah, it. It's like, do you watch? Attention. Do you watch Star Wars and and get tempted to uh, build a massive space station, planet destroying space station? I I do have a three D printer, so we'll see. Oh, see, know. there you go. <laughs> uh, well, and and beyond malls, I'm just curious since you guys do you're existing in this horror world. What what about other urban legends or scary stories? Maybe like the the, the strange encounters with humans that were not quite right. 
either from your upbringing, you know, the, the scary house at the end of the block from the, your old neighborhood or maybe other things that just fascinate you that's also scary out there. Um, Adam, why don't you start? I mean, it might involve clowns and cornfields, I, I'm guessing. Exactly. But. I love it all. And I, I've built, you know, I've, I've literally like built a career now on the idea of like that, you know, like viral videos of, you know, clowns coming out and menacing people. It was like, it was that little kernel of how do we, how do you build a book around that? And it's, and, and I went the slasher route. I went the kind of terrestrial route. And I've, because that's a series, because I was writing books before that, a lot of people who are, who are readers and like my stuff, still like talk about those books as if like they're the beginning of my career. I wrote like 10 books before that. And, 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 I, and a, the vast majority of them are speculative, have a, have a, have a, um, either a supernatural element or, or something that, you know, tangibly quote unquote, couldn't really happen. Um, you know, in the straight world kind of, um, but I've, Dead Mall was partly born out of that itch of like, let's get back into the weird and speculative and the paranormal um because i i had been in the kind of terrestrial clown in the cornfield world for so long i was like i want to write about something um that that utilizes that scratches that itch of of i've always loved um kind of like you said the idea that the strange and unusual and i and i i equate it so closely with americana almost all my books except for one are are, are set in american or about very American things in different parts of the country. And, and I love that. I love the folklore of this country and I love the cryptids of this country. And I love the, like, the, like, so it's, it's, it's almost, almost none of my books are explicitly about those things, but it's just my general interest in these areas that informs what I choose to write about. And I think it's that, it's that idea of almost like, yeah, I love, I love hearing about stories in the Mothman so much. And I love hearing, you know, like things like that. And it's, it's that, it's that in it's that writer in me that wants to not write stories about the stories I've heard. I want to almost tell myself a new mythology, and is, is and I think that's that's what keeps me writing, and what keeps me writing in this genre. I think is is a, yeah. is a huge part of it. it. It's it's and it's that idea of I actually keep that separate from that part because we were talking a little bit before we started recording. We were like, oh, we follow a lot of the same people on Twitter, and it's like I think it's that it's it's watching shows like the shows you're on and, 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 and listening to podcasts and, 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 and hearing kind of, you know, nonfiction accounts of these things is what I do in my off time because otherwise as, as my family knows, I'm like constantly thinking about work. So I think it, the idea of like the clown of the cornfield books, the dead mall video night, they're all their own mythology. They're all their own things. I get to not think about research and writing about, these real world things because I save that as a little treat for myself. I save that as the, my own thing. I like to do in my own area of interest. Um, yeah. And well, I mean, like it's, it's also, I mean, it's fun to think about. I mean, even, yeah. I mean, it's, it could be scary and creepy and whatnot, but it's also fun to think about. But I, as far as the Americana component of it, even though you don't say this, explicitly and i could be entirely wrong but something i really love uh, about dead mall is even though you have all these other horror elements happening the this lovecraftian almost elder god that's been can you know almost consigned to having to form into a mall is both <laughs> sad yeah. <laughs> like this elder god ancient uh entity is almost sad that it has to become a mall and yet it's so americana and on point that it's like it would only it almost yeah, exactly. only exists here yeah, of course cthulhu would be a macy's like you know yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I my favorite bit of the book is like is what the mall is and its attitude towards it that idea of it's like of its that uh, great cosmic power great it's he's so cocky it's like the mall is so cocky and you're like, it's because he feels all powerful, but you also do step back and it's like, pal, you like, you have a, like a Sears home center inside you. Like, you know, like that, it's like that idea of like, of like it's such a silly, disposable thing. Yeah, exactly. Like the Sakura Japan is right around the corner. Like you are, you are not this old, like be all end all ultimate power. Like I, I do like that about it. And I, and it, yeah, I think that's definitely intentional, unintentional, subtextual um, in the book. Um, yeah. 
the nexus of evil is jc pennies um, yeah, yeah 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 for sure <laughs> david and david I, I wanted to hear about um any kind of urban legends or stories from your childhood or the the creepy old house of the block that that stuck yeah. with you i mean i know phoenix has a lot of great tales and folklore Oh, Phoenix does. Yeah, absolutely. And growing up, um, uh, folklore about, uh, we had a, we had a, a Navajo reservation just North of us. So folklore about like skinwalkers and things like that were, um, uh, large in our imagination and, uh, and, and, and fairly formative, I think. Um, and I, and I think that that kind of, um, that did kind of trickle into, um, I love, uh, liminal spaces and things that shouldn't be right like like not deer in, in in Appalachia and things like that or like uh staircases in the woods uh that you know lead to nowhere and you know you go up them and you disappear forever and, and things like that um ideas like you know uh like 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 fairy culture and things like that um just just things that hint at larger realities that are beyond what we can see and are still threatening uh through you know small ways that are are uh, that 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 just kind of twist our perspective are some of my favorite things so um so so yeah uh you know legends about skinwalkers and and um and 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 mystics taking on different forms and uh animals in the woods that are not what they should be and um you know things at night that that call out your name and if you hear them no you didn't you know and and those kind of things just just i i grab onto and i i i love that um things like the like like the back rooms you know uh, recently are uh things that just kind of touch my touch my heart you know near and dear and i'm like oh, i love that I love how the internet has kind of become its own folklore and has started its own areas of folklore. It's just so fascinating from these things that were like, you're talking about the Navajo and you're talking about these things that are very, very old, like older than time, older than, older than, 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 than settlers coming here. Um, like, like, and then you have within the last 15 years, this repository of, of like no sleep and creepypasta and all these things. And I think, hucksterly and to sell books and and very much i think david and i are very much like aware of the 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 fascination of liminal spaces and videos of people walking around dead malls and and to to the cover of the trade paperback which is is not david's art it is the one piece of non-david art is that this cover is um trevor henderson who is uh just happened to do us a favor he is a, a a a good friend who is very internet famous like your kids know who he is uh they they know slimy swampy ghost because he created um cartoon cat and siren head and little nugget and these these characters that have he just drew this thing and now they have a life of their own and there's hours and hours of youtube videos talking about like the lore of these characters that it's not lore he created it's just he just drew a character and they've almost entered this zeitgeisty area where you have people dressing up as Halloween costumes and, and stuff like that of these, what are technically like his characters that have become, he's been subsumed by the internet. There's just this, like this whisper network of the new folklore in a way, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating how this, how the, the, the meme of idea and, and scariness and, and, and things that are, that are the, the unconscious of the internet work. Um, and I think that it's, yeah. I, I I love it as well, and I feel like on one hand we've got this this we're we're adding to lore as you said, and it also connects to things that have been before you know either the iconography or the the themes of it you know it's things that keep kind of repeating and refreshing, but I also love that people are seems like they have an appetite in researching the stuff that has come before the the old old stuff the old folklore indigenous folklore and, and multicultural folklore and and the ghost stories and monster stories from other peoples seems like there's an appetite too for that and and beyond just your bigfoot and your ghost and your alien going beyond even mothman like david said into liminal spaces and fairies and all this stuff it's almost like we're in this this era this new movement the spiritualism but of the weird and and that's where the fascination is it's i i love that i love that as well so and i i do think that dead mall kind of 
fits nicely within that it's it's old it's new it's classic haunted house and it's new haunted house and um it, it just kind of brings together so many different elements so I, thank you for saying that because yeah. it's it's very much what we're interested in and it's just like it's it's so cool to hear that it worked for you as a reader and we really really appreciate it <laughs> well before i let you guys go uh just lay it on me what's next any updates on uh adaptations i know you're working on the clown in the cornfield movie uh but we're in a weird time entertainment wise yeah. <laughs> so anything you guys are working on that you can talk about david why don't you start um, I've got a couple of projects that are uh, kind of in the pitch stage, so um, not completely green greenlit yet. But I've got you know a, a bunch of things from kind of a, a cyberpunky uh, action drama to um, a, a story about a guy whose job it is to uh, assassinate imaginary friends, um, all of which are uh, love that. great story concepts. Um, and are, uh, are are we good to plug social media and stuff here? Is that cool? yeah, please. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if, if you want to uh, figure out what I'm what I'm doing next and or uh, hear about, you know, possible maybe Dead Mall 2 uh, things that happen in the future, uh, you can follow me at Stoll Comics on everything, uh, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm Stoll underscore comics on TikTok, but uh, uh, oh, Blue Sky as well. So I like how polite you were by asking if you could plug your social media. I, didn't want to just <laughs> I never, I just started saying it. I just started. Are you sure you're not from the Midwest? Or <laughs> I, saw, I saw that Daredevil movie one time and I changed my mind. Oh, it's scared straight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Adam, how about you? What can you talk about? Um, I've got, I, I've got so many things coming out before this but the one thing that's actually been announced that i could talk about is 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 clown of the cornfield 3 it's gonna happen um the paperback for clown of the cornfield 2 comes out in like a couple weeks maybe like a, a week from now I, I can't ever remember and and stores bookstores get them out early so like it might hey it might even be in the, your bookstore now um please read them they're really good please but read dead mall before all else um i clown of the cornfield 3 is is the first two books are a slasher and a slasher sequel and like my idea version of that and my my pitch to my publisher uh, and my editor for clown of the cornfield three was the idea of i would i love these characters and i love these books and i would love to write them seemingly forever um even if i take breaks in between um so what's the what is the key to longevity there and the the key to longevity is to introduce a different subgenre uh into what these books are and what they can be um and three is three is a departure um so i think of it in the way that uh halloween three season of the witch it, it's that idea of it's that idea of introducing it's not it, it's not like that in the way that that's an anthology and completely unrelated but it's like that in that it's a departure and fans of that franchise at the time were super pissed off and and then and then they got better like and now it's now it's like now it's not even like cool to say like what an underrated entry in the series like everyone loves that Every, everyone and their brother loves uh love halloween 3 so what i would hope is that my hope is that clown 3 we skip the part where everyone hates it and then they immediately just like are like oh this, <laughs> this is fun so that and i i've got uh i've got a whole nother book that's literally a, this is a hot exclusive it's going to come out this year but it still has not been announced yet i can't say anything so it's going to be a little secret book that's not going to be little at all. It's very big, but it's not related to the Clown of the Cornfield series. Um, and then I, and then yeah, we're we're working on some stuff, uh, David and I, that we're hopefully going to be able to push through. So and maybe... yeah, uh, yeah, and and like he said, uh, socials. It's just my name on 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 everything, everything. But I don't have Blue Sky yet. But everything everything but that. And uh, if you like, if you're like, no, I can't listen to this guy talk anymore. Um, don't go to YouTube. Don't go to TikTok because it is wall to wall me talking about mostly movies. Even though I'm like a hard book guy, I, I sometimes talk about books, but uh, I'm I can't stop my cinephilia, so I talk about films online. All right, and of course, Dead Mall, the horror comic published by Dark Horse Comics, available now in trade paperback, and hopefully more coming from that world. But my guests have been Adam Caesar and David Stoll, the creative team behind Dead Mall. Guys, I appreciate you joining me today. It's been a great talk. It's great nerding out with you. Yeah, thank and you so much. 
thank you guys. And for everyone out there, I'm Aaron Sagers. This has been Talking Strange. And until next time, be kind, stay spooky, and keep it weird. Talking Strange is a part of the Den of Geek Network, available wherever you listen to other podcasts. If you like what we're doing, share Talking Strange with your friends and fellow spooky nerds. And please, subscribe, rate, and leave a nice review. If you have a strange or paranormal story you would like to share with us, please email talkingstrange at denofgeek.com for a chance to have it read on a future episode. For video episodes of Talking Strange, check out twitch.tv slash denofgeektv and youtube.com slash denofgeekus. And please follow at TalkStrangePod on Twitter and at Aaron Sagers on Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon for more paranormal pop culture content.